You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. With me today is Kirsty Bissett, a serial tech entrepreneur with five businesses under her belt. With recognition from the likes of Fast Company, Destiny Magazine, and Fair Lady Magazine, Kirsty thrives on building brands and businesses in the fintech, fast-moving consumer goods, and retail space through holistic digital strategies and rollouts. When not building empires, she is a prolific writer and an advocate for gender equality. All the way from South Africa, Kirsty, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. And I want to start with these five businesses of yours. You've had two agencies, an online meat store, a mattress store, and a home decor store. This is quite the diverse portfolio. There's got to be a backstory here. So you can immediately tell how much I embrace change. I feel like I'm very biased towards it. <laughs> I'm getting that Even vibe. The- <laughs> So even now, like in 2020, uh, with with lockdown, I mean, this is the first time I've stayed in the same city for more than two weeks in about 10 years. Wow. So like, yeah, huge advocate for change. But anyway, back to these five businesses of mine. Um, I kind of started my career in the business incubation space in Johannesburg in South Africa. I worked at a business incubator. And in that business, we work with entrepreneurs to build their businesses. It was my first kind of foray into entrepreneurship and seeing what it involves. And But during this time, the digital space was really coming up in SA. And it was a space that I really, really took to. You know, these big brands were asking questions like, what is the Facebook? And I looked at that and went, wow, that is something that's going to be huge. That's something that's really going to change the world. So I made the really, really stupid mistake of quitting my job without anything concrete to go to, no job to move into. I I just kind of decided, right, let me take a break and see what happens. So I started sending my CV, my resume to digital agencies, but no one would hire me because I didn't have formal agency experience. You know, fair enough. So I I got to a point where I was actually quite desperate. I'd been unemployed for a couple of months. The job market was terrible. I'd actually received a couple of opportunities from larger corporates, but I looked at it and went, that's not going to fulfill me. You know, all kind of 22 years of me. (laughs) (laughs) So I I actually had to get to a point where I said, well, if no one's going to hire me, I'm going to have to do this myself. And that's how my first agency stir was born. That was back in 2012. Thankfully, that's still running, touch wood. During my time at stir, we got very involved in the e-commerce space, which is also relatively new, uh, thing in SA. And I was approached by a pair of businessmen in Johannesburg who had a meat manufacturing business. And they said they wanted to take this business online. I thought, who on earth is going to buy 
fresh meat on the internet. <laughs> this was back in 2015 or 2016. I said to them, guys, I wouldn't even do that. And you want me to be involved in your business? They said, yeah. So uh, we we partnered and, and the business okay, was- Hang a- on a second. <laughs> on. I feel like we're <laughs> skipping over some important information here. So they approached you with the business idea. You said, wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And then all of a sudden, your partner's- <laughs> My reputation obviously preceded me because you know they knew that I could develop digital strategies and run e-commerce stores successfully. So they thought, well, we'll convince you then. Okay. And I mean, within a month, I was I was sold because the the business was wildly successful. We took a brand new brand into a brand new industry in the country, and it turned out to be extremely extremely successful. In the beginning, but when I speak about my business failure, that was the one that actually ended up failing mm. for a number of reasons. Um, yeah, it was. It's a very uh, unregulated space here, so suppliers can bully you quite, quite a bit. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have the the margins to kind of carry ourselves. So, no boy has ever broken my heart the way a failed business has, but. <laughs> I'm happy to look back on it now and and learn the lessons. And I do also feel that every entrepreneur should have a failure under their belt. Uh, it's, it's really, it taught me a lot. So that was actually one of your most recent LinkedIn posts was yes. starting the conversation about failure and that, you know, you expressed your belief that, yes, every entrepreneur should have experienced this. How did that either influence your approach to business or how you kind of show up as a professional in this space? First of all, it, it was one of the most harrowing experiences I've ever been through. And, you know, failure is, is starting to become glorified within entrepreneurship now. It's, 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 it's a good thing now. It's everyone's talking about, you know, fail forward and failure is success. And when you're going through it, it is, it is so soul-destroying. But it taught me a very, very boring lesson, and that is to get everything in writing. <laughs> and we speak about this a lot, you know, getting all the contracts right. And but it really is important, um, especially new entrepreneurs. If you haven't done it before, that honeymoon period is so real. That that those beginning stages where everything is so hopeful and you're so in love with your business partner, it really is a honeymoon stage. And you, you don't think about, you know, the, the contract and the, and the writing and the templates and all of that kind of boring stuff. So it, it taught me more about having to focus more on that, you know, and kind of thinking with the worst in mind, you know, kind of prepping for the worst and hoping for the best. So very boring lesson, but, you know, worthwhile nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. But this is just kind of one chapter in your entrepreneurial story, and I'm sure you're still in the midst of writing it, but there have been more successes than failures, it seems. Yes, yeah, and those for those, I'm so grateful. So I started another business, which was an, e- an uh, e-commerce store selling mattresses, which I successfully sold back to my partners. Uh, the other one was an online decor store, which I also then successfully sold my share in. And the latest one is Swiftex, which is my second digital agency, which we started about two years ago. And uh, Swiftex focuses entirely on the financial technology space, 
and we develop um, strategies, growth hacking strategies and marketing strategies to either take businesses to market uh, or to get them into that kind of second, third round of funding. What I've, I guess, been able to uncover from your story that has certainly piqued my curiosity and had me almost fall in love with the idea of you being a guest because of it was (laughs) that it wasn't in this. So in the second agency that you found in the financial uh, technology sector, it wasn't your outlook that determined the direction of that business, but rather the business that you found yourself in, in fintech, Mm. steered your direction and ultimately changed your outlook. So can you share how shifting gears from consumer goods to fintech actually changed your approach? Yeah, it's been, it's been, such a fun journey so like I said I've been in the marketing game for the vast majority of my career um, so when we started SwiftX in 2018 we found our client base in the financial technology sector and it's an industry that's actually wonderfully focused on sustainability and I know that a lot of people wouldn't really put finance and sustainability in the same sentence but hear me out <laughs> so this I feel change like I have to say that a lot <laughs> yeah. please hear me out here before I get into trouble. Um, So this change from working with FMCG, which was all very like, go, 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 consume, 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 into financial technology, I saw how fintech can empower economies and communities, and that really changed my personal and professional outlook drastically. Instead of creating this never-ending consumer consuming cycle we're moving to longevity so if you look at sustainable businesses you know businesses take and charities give sustainable businesses sit in the middle so through this we can build so much we can build inclusive economies close poverty gaps enable accessible investment funds democratization um, and there's also a change towards sustainability in that it's not only about the environment. I think people do hear sustainable and their minds immediately go to green sustainability. But we're talking about business sustainability of production lines, succession of businesses, better business practice, efficient means of production, democratized models, these unending opportunities. So Instead of the stopping point, which I saw a lot of in FMCG, instead of staring down at our feet or grabbing what's a meter in front of us, we now have this endless horizon of opportunity. So it's really made me so hopeful. I can understand why. And how has the financial technology sector wowed you? I mean, you you started this kind of saying, like, hear me out here. I mean, what was it that... (laughs) open your eyes to this being an industry that's actually leading this space? Being in South Africa opens your eyes quite a lot to the impact of financial technology and its positives and, you know, potential negatives. But we're a country that severely needs democratization. There is a massive, massive wealth gap between the rich and the poor. And of course, we're not the only country to suffer from it, but any country that does is in a lot of trouble. And any opportunity to close that gap, even slightly, we have to grab onto with with massive vigor. And with FinTech, there's huge opportunities there. There's so many opportunities to plug those holes in the wealth gap 
um, to kind of to kind of close it and and create build the middle class mm-hmm. and create jobs. On a more personal level, you believe that change is kind of misunderstood because it's often perceived as this massive cataclysmic event that turns our worlds upside down. And while I agree that that certainly exists, you also mentioned that there's a subtle side to change that we experience perhaps more often than we realize. Have you found that some of the smaller incremental changes that you've made in your life have had a profound impact either on your career or the businesses that you're building? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I've just, like I said, I love change and I view it as so subjectively necessary. You know, we all view change from our own perspective, but I find a lot of discomfort in being comfortable. So I embrace change, whether it's tiny changes or those massive cataclysmic ones. I absolutely adore it. The thing with that word, it instills such a dichotomy of emotion. You either see the word or hear the word and you love it, or you see the word and you feel terrified. You run away from it. But running away from it is so counterintuitive because think about how many times we've survived change and better still, how many times we've endured or conquered change and come out so much better on the other side. And at the moment, we actually have always on change. Those incremental changes are more consistent than, and more frequent than ever before. Um, I was actually, I was watching a TED talk the other day by Jason Clark, and he gives such a great analogy about when a child falls. So you know when a child hits the ground and they have that look on their face, that moment when they don't know if what's happened is a good or a bad thing. I think so I still just, get that look. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, no jokes, I was hit by a car last week. Oh my and goodness. I'm fine, obviously. But when I hit the road, I, I, I was, you, you kind of, you just don't know what's happening. You, you haven't assimilated what's going on. Of course. So that same thing, when a child hits, hits the ground, they're, they're not thinking this is good or bad. They're just kind of thinking, okay, this is different. Mm. And their dad might go, oh my gosh, my baby, are you okay? And then the mom goes, haha, that's so funny. So the child will react either negatively or positively, depending on the space that it's given. So then as adults, we're also given that space to react to change. But I feel we need to fill that space with more positive thinking and action than the negative connotations that come with it. Mm. I agree. But listening to this as someone, and I'm in the same boat, I love change. I seek it out. I dive right in. But do you think that it's easier for people like us who enjoy change, who seek it out to think, oh, if we just enter this change positively, it's going to be okay. I really don't believe anyone is saying, I don't want change. Mm. They're saying they want change that's real, change that's positive, change that's viable, change that's sustainable. And I I really don't believe anyone hates it because the outcome is usually great. I think the we love the outcome of change. However, the process of change is what's, what makes people uncomfortable. And I think it is something that's learned. I don't think we're born loving change. I think it is something that, that, is, that is learned. It's a you know, nature versus nurture debate, I guess. But 
I think the more that you go through and the more that you endure, the more resilient you become, the more you embrace it <laughs> because we have to. <laughs> it's, I love that. And I've, you know, I've super passionate about change. I've had several conversations about it and it's the first time someone has put it that way where, and, and it's so relatable and it's so easy to digest. Like, I don't think everyone hates it because you're right. We do on the other side of it, even if it was a traumatic change, a lot of people will, will recognize the growth, will appreciate the life lessons, will see that perhaps they needed to go through something that ultimately brought them to where they were today. But in that, I guess in the trenches, during the process where it can be really difficult do you ever have those moments as someone who really enjoys change where you think, wow, this is harder than I thought it would be? Oh, absolutely. I think I had that moment like last week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if 2020 is taught us anything, it's that this change is coming about faster and more frequently than ever before. But yes, absolutely. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it's not difficult. Oh my gosh, when you're in it, and you feel like the world is crumbling around you, it's, it's soul destroying. Oh my gosh, it, it, it does. But, you know, the, it's, I mean, this probably sounds so cheesy and so sad, but like when you come out stronger the other side and you, you endure all of that, and you're like, okay, cool. If that happens again, I know how to be proactive towards the change instead of reactive. I'm not going to go into that fight or flight mode anymore which obviously feels negative because it's so overwhelming. I've, 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 I've weathered the storm before and I can do it again. Mm. Are you someone who's always thought this way and, and felt this way towards change? Or do you recall there being a time where you thought, you know, <laughs> change and I haven't always been on good terms, but now, <laughs> now we're pals. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there was there was a, a specific moment. I think it's it's just been years and years of, you know, building up my resilience and building up my strength to go, okay, cool. This problem is in front of me. This change is in front of me. I'm going to put in the steps to weather it, to overcome it, to turn it into an advantage for me. And I'm, I'm trying to think if there was a specific moment. I mean... I, being an entrepreneur for for what eight years now, it, it really does teach you how to weather these kind of storms and to just you know take things on the chin. And the more you go through, obviously, the more the stronger you become. And you know, look back on things and go, okay, cool, I'm I'm fine. I've I've been through a lot worse, right. <laughs> and I've and I'm and I and I've survived it. I mean, I've survived being hit by a car now, so. <laughs> You know, I feel like I'm pretty invincible at this stage. Oh my gosh, yeah. Add that to your LinkedIn profile. Jeez. So you mentioned resilience, and that's something that comes up a lot when talking about change. And I'd love to know over the journey, not just of the five businesses, but really finding yourself as a professional, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, what have been some of the moments that have really contributed to your resilience, to those moments where you think I am stronger because this happened? There have been big moments and tiny ones. And as an entrepreneur, your success, your glamorous moments are so fleeting. 
But I always look to those, you know, I've, I've been recognized and, you know, been on lists and awards and that. And that as, as positive as it is, it also builds a certain resilience because you're also only as good as your last victory. Mm. Um, you're only as strong as your, your last great piece of work. I think writers will relate to this very much. Um, or, or musicians, artists, creators, you know, you're only as good as the last album you put out or the last book you wrote. And even though those, those achievements are so grand and so great, they, they're also, they can also kind of bring you down and, and build a resilience toward, you know, being the best. Oh, but am I the best? And do I need to be even more ambitious? What's the next thing? So there are those 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 massive victories, and but then there's also the tiny, the tiny moments that happen on a daily basis, the arguments with staff, the disagreements with clients, all of those little things have helped me to grow and to become a better professional and a better businesswoman. I'm also in a very male-dominated space, mm-hmm. and I, I have to acknowledge that because. Being a woman has stood in my way and it has burst open the door for me, you know, on both sides. So, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very determined about working really hard to perfect my craft every day. When I'm, when I'm passionate about something, I become almost obsessive about it. I, I, I want to feel uncomfortable. And as soon as I feel comfortable, you know, I want to move out of that and go, okay, how can I be better? Why am I feeling so settled? This is not a comfortable place for me. Um, and, and how can I be better? And how can I outdo myself personally oh, and professionally? <laughs> I can totally relate to that. I mean, we were chatting a bit before we hit record of my recent career shift. And I was exactly in that place. I was in a very settled, comfortable, glorious place (laughs) that just didn't feel me. It didn't feel like me because I'm not the one to settle in and get comfortable. I'm the one who likes to shake things up. And I was in need of massive expansion and I, I needed an opportunity. I wanted to seek an opportunity that would help me feel uncomfortable and that would contribute to my growth in ways that I felt I couldn't do alone. So I, I definitely understand the need to to keep things moving. And you're to so feel- brave. I can't deal. It's so <laughs> brave what you did. Wow. Oh, these are one of these, you know, one of the moments you were talking about of the the massive the massive shifts, you know, or moments, pivotal moments mm-hmm. where you feel like it has contributed to the resilience. I'm I'm still very much in it. So I can't say that I feel very brave in the moment, but I am I'm in a really good place. I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. I'm so stoked to hear that. So as someone such as yourself who is multi-passionate and views change as necessary, and you know, especially coming off the heels of what you just said, is we're only as good as our last victory. Well, I, I think that's a tough pill to swallow. I think it is reality. And so have you set your sights on what it is that you want to achieve next? I have. And that only happened about three or four weeks ago. Mm. Um but at the same time, I'm super cautious of it. 
because you know 2020 happened <laughs> well there's that so, <laughs> you know I, I i think having a like kind of five-year intent is healthier than having a five-year plan mm. so my intent at the moment is to work on my speaking career i would love to be able to spread my ideas and my story so I'm working pretty obsessively on that and working on my keynotes, you know, to hopefully take around the world one day. And, but other than that, it's, it's currently growing my two agencies. Um, I don't know where they're going to be from now. Um, we're taking on a very different revenue model with SwiftX in that we're actually taking shares in a number of platforms and businesses that we work with. Um, and they're all in the in the fintech and sustainable business space. So that's a very new move for me from an agency perspective. I mean, agencies have had the same revenue models for 70 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of switching things up a bit there. So it's it's a very new, it's, it's very exciting. It's very nerve-wracking. But I'm going to stick to kind of a five-year intent as opposed to a plan for now. I love that. And if anyone's listening, thinking, you know what, I could use a little intention in my life. (laughs) I wouldn't mind setting a five-year intent. Can you share how you did it? Maybe how we can do the same? Uh, I'm still figuring that out, I guess. Um, But I I know that I I don't want to stay in the same place. And I mean that figuratively and literally. (laughs) I, I do want to live all over the world, be a bit of a global citizen. And I, I really do, I work in kind of, in terms of like figuring out a plan or intent, I, I do work in different increments. So I look, okay, cool, what's happening in the next month? What are, you know, everything from, you know, financials to my personal goals, you know, what's happening in the next month? Okay, what's happening in the next three, six, 12, 36 months? And, you know, I try, I try to always have that like big, hairy, audacious goal, um, in my mind, which is, you know, sp- spotlight on me on a stage, on a massive global stage mm-hmm. and just putting in the, the steps and the processes to get there. Um, I'm, a, I'm very process driven. I'm a massive kind of a geek out with processes and systems and then, you know, putting those in place to, to form a goal. And I think that's really is the best way. I'm giving very boring advice. Hey, I mean, <laughs> contracts, paperwork, systems, <laughs> But it's worked really well for me so far. So I hope it continues to do so. No, you know what? I love it because there's a lot of pressure to give memorable, mind-blowing, kind of sparkly advice. And at the end of the day, anyone who's in business or has really set goals for themselves that they have stuck to and that they've held themselves accountable to have realized that it's, it's in the weeds. It's in the process. Yes, that's true. You know, the setting of the goal and not just the plan, but really having your eyes open to the execution of it. That is ultimately going to move you from point A to point B. So I don't think it's boring. I think it's real talk here. (laughs) So plans and ideas are are very, are very fluffy. You know, we, we also, we regularly get businesses coming to us going, I have this idea. Can you guys help us out? Can you develop a marketing plan and can you get us funding? I say, cool, and we'll, you know, back the jockey, not the horse. But if the idea doesn't have any action, it's, it's dead in the water. Couldn't agree more. So for those who 
are super interested in your journey, who have followed along and think, wow, I really want to know what is next for her. Where can they keep up with you and figure out what this next chapter has in store? I'm pretty active online. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just Kirsty Bissett, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Kirsty Bissett. And then I very irregularly blog <laughs> on Um Yeah, I'm pretty active and I love to connect with people. I love to connect with people. I love to debate with people. If you totally disagree with me, I'd love to hear it. Um, so yeah, I'd love to, to hear from everybody. Wonderful. I will be sure to put those links in the show notes. Kirsty, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Sam. It's been such a pleasure. It's been so much fun. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.